Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Townsend, Montana. All you people in Montana who are watching, it's good to have you on board. And all you Oregonians, it's great to have you on board. If you're living in Idaho or Montana, you may not know that Oregon is kind of big, kind of a big deal in the winemaking industry. <laughs> We've kind of made a name for ourselves. Uh, when you hear Oregon wine, um, people really like that. So um, tonight, uh, one of our clients, Compton Family Wines, out of Philomath, Oregon. Um, we're going to take a little trip. Uh, Tim, who works with us, he went out this morning and went out while they're doing some work on the wineries and talked to Matt Compton, who is, this is his debut. He's never been on here. Tabitha takes all the attention. And um, so we got Matt today, and we have some of their family members, well, their pets. Well, they're not really pets. They're working farm animals, but I have a feeling they're probably kind of spoiled. So you're going to see how regenerative farming works. You're going to hear about it. We're going to talk about all that. Um, our sponsors tonight are Compton Family Wines and also Dr. Michael Bratlin of Chris Dental. And then I have a question for you that I have on here as a video that I'm going to ask you. And then if we have time, we're going to take a little bike ride along the 242 from a few several years ago when Kathy and me back when it was snowing. So if you are watching right now, share this on your page um, immediately. Just hit share. It goes right on your page and then more people come on and see that. So let's get this kicked off with um, our open. Tabitha, I love Hi. that open. Is that fast and furious? It's just like to the point, you know, awesome. get her done. So how are you? Good. How about you? I'm good. So you guys, that is not a real winery behind her. That is a that is a painting in their in their winery in Philomath, Oregon. So this time of year, what is it pretty busy in the wine industry? Is this kind of a time when you're getting because October's is that the time when you start harvesting? Right. Yeah. This year will be close end of October, November. Um, we might be uh, still wrapping things up when the Christmas trees are getting done this year. <laughs> so everything is so late. <laughs> are, they, are the grapes late this year? Yeah. Yeah. We're at least two weeks behind. Why is that? Uh, we had that frost um, that hurt us right as we had bud break. So that, that was really difficult. Well, actually, yeah, it was right at bud break. Yep. So then that's going to bring down our yields and make things go slower. And then we also had some rain a couple of months ago. So, so you, what we, have, what we I mean, have looks good. So farming, I mean, really is, um, you guys are just, so I'm learning that living <clears throat> next door to a farm, how dependent, weather dependent you really are. Yeah. We always say ain't farming fun. <laughs> So I'm going to show this video that we shot of Matt. Well, first, you know what I want to do? Let me do this with you. So you guys in the wintertime, talk to me about your animals. I'm going to show this video while you're talking, okay? Okay, here we go. Shed on their own. Oh, so really? what are these? Tell me what you got going on here. Those are our Katahdin lambs that we just weaned from their moms. So they, um, just over the weekend, we put them in the section of the vineyard that we're actually going to be taking the vines out. So they are going to, they're chewing down was there a specific the grapes. Reason that you chose this breed? So they actually work, they're like working, like they're doing the work for you, basically. 
Yeah, so that little section there, um, we're in clay soil there. So we're by them fertilizing and, and work, we're helping having them work the soil by fertilizing and also being lawnmowers in there, cleaning things up for us. So is that what regenerative farming is? Is where you're using, you're really trying to regenerate the soil and keep everything going like that? Yeah, try not, you know, we do use lawnmowers, but we, yeah, we're using, those are our alpine goats we have also. And so they are out there just munching along as well. And they're not, supposedly not as picky as the sheep. Um, they'll eat more things. Now, what about these um, coming, they're, they're going to be coming our direction. I know that's your dog or one of them. You guys have a lot of those. We do. We have Marema sheep dogs, and I have that was a puppy that I actually have. That we have a couple puppies we're selling of the livestock guardian dogs, and then these are the Cooney Cooney pigs that live out in the vineyard all year long, and um, they're pretty spoiled. They are grazing pigs, so they have short noses and short snouts. So they'll come when I call them. We're actually in the lower part of the vineyard, so they followed Tim and I down there, and then um, I've taught them to sit, but I haven't given them treats lately, so they weren't doing a very good job today. But they, they do sit for treats and the one on the left is soft. No, that one's tips and the other one's sausage. I was planning on, we were planning on processing sausage, um, but he's actually really nice. So I can't do it. You, <laughs> you're supposed, yeah, she regenerates her farm until it gets hard. <laughs> yeah. So, so the pigs, do they actually help kind of rototill up some of the soil? No, so these are grazing pigs. So they actually don't root very much. So they just are out there being lawnmowers and they need to eat more quickly, but they, they're just out there eating and fertilizing. So why is it important for you and, and Matt to do this winery the way that you're to do, to farm this regenerative way? Well, we are winemaking. Well, our, our farming style was always like minimal handling in the vineyard all the way through the winemaking, but we didn't own property, so we couldn't do the regenerative farming. Most of the vineyards we either leased or managed, so people wouldn't even let us do a compost pile. So we do big compost piles that go back on the soil, on the through the vineyard to build up the soil, give more nutrition. So we're able to farm more like we would always have liked to, but our style was always minimal handling with what we could do without animals. So, so if, yeah. people, if people want to know more about how to do that, is that on your website? I have a little bit about regenerative farming. Yeah. There's a section on our website called farm and I've got information about the sheep. We're actually selling um, the meat, the they're called locker lambs. So we'll be selling the lambs for people to process and have for their own meat. Um, and actually four star meats down in Eugene is going to be doing the processing at the end of January for us. Give them a little plug, but yeah, there's a lot of little pieces we do with that. And then the Marema sheepdog puppies that I have and the pigs are just kind of fun, but they're supposed to be useful as well. And, but those pigs also the interesting thing is they're lard pigs. Um, so that they have short noses and short snouts and they're grazing pigs, but they're also lard, lard pigs. So when you do process them, they're more like a prosciutto and heavy fat yield. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I noticed Tim, I didn't put it on to embarrass him, but I will now. I noticed he thought the sheep were goats because they do kind of look like a goat, but I raise goats. So I know the difference, but how do you know, how do you, how, how can people, you have an easy way for people to tell a goat from a sheep. Yeah. A goat has their tail up and a sheep has their tail down. <laughs> they hang up or they hang down. Yeah. And sheep, do you cut the sheep? Why do they cut the sheep's tail off? Some people. 
Yeah, so the so we ours are haired sheep, so we don't do anything with them. We don't have to shear them or anything. They shed naturally on their own. So we just leave them alone and we don't dock their tails. So they do look funny with their long tails, but I think it's cute. And my sheep are super spoiled. They know their names, they get brushed, they get treats. They're there, I never had sheep and goats before. I was a horse person and I can't believe how much personality and they're really quite smart, but I do spend a lot of time with them too. I love my goats. I thought goats were smart and people always well, act like they're not, but my, I had Nubians and man, they were. Nubian. I they want would, a Nubian too. They would follow us and they, you know, the, like we'd go on hikes and we had like 10 of them and they'd follow oh, us cool. along that. I mean, if you get out of their reach, um, they're not happy. I mean, because ours were humanized. You have to take the babies away, yeah. and feed them, and then they become, you know, friendlier to you. If you don't do that, you won't have them. They won't follow you around or anything like that. Now, you're, I don't have video of your dogs. Um, it, I, I got it, but I didn't have it in time to put it out here. So what, what are these dogs that you raise? They're livestock guardian dogs, uh, the Marema sheep dogs that are kind of a rare breed. They've actually been one of the longest livestock guardian dogs that have been around there from Italy. And so there's not actually a lot that I've found in the United States. I mean, there are some, but it's, it's kind of a rare breed. Um, they're great. They look like a great Pyrenees, but they actually bark less than is what I've understood. They only bark when it's really necessary. So, huh. but they, they are, they live outside. They were born in the barn. They're out working all the time. My, um, I was telling Tim, my, male dog his name is milo and he's out with the lambs at night and he's fine being out there by himself i have an indoor dog that has separation anxiety and i just never i mean she's a hot mess but he is just stoic and he's like the king of the farm so do you sell do you do you breed them or all or with puppies and stuff this is this is our first breeding so we have a couple of puppies left to sell yeah the puppies that have left have been on they've gone to pig farms and uh horse farms and sheep goats also that is so awesome. I, yeah, I, I think that is so cool. So now you guys also raise sheep. So in terms of me wanting, if I wanted to buy lamb for meat, do you guys sell stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. We have on our website, we're just getting organized with selling the, the lambs too, to be processed. And like I said, it's at the end of January. So we're doing reservations for the meat too. So you can get a, a whole lamb or half lamb. So a whole, like if you think of space in the freezer, it's about two grocery bags full of meat for a whole lamb. So it's not, it's manageable, but it also in this uh, world where we don't have a lot of food, it might be a good option to fill your freezer. Yeah. And a variety, you know, we have a half of beef in our freezer out here. And I was just saying to Kathy the day we were, she was going, Oh, I gotta get some meat out. I said, man, aren't you glad we have that? Because right now the way things are going, we went to the store, Yesterday, and this lady turned around to Kathy at Winco, and she looked at her and she said, "Weren't these eggs like a a dollar ninety seven last week?" And Kathy goes, "Yeah, and they were like they were like three ninety for eggs." So Angela is on here, and she says, "I've always wanted to try lamb." Oh, I like that. Uh, yeah, no, you should, you should try this. So let's go. I want to show Matt. So you guys, I want you to see. This is Matt. Um, this is the other half of this vineyard, and um, and Matt has talked with Tim today. And he's out doing exactly what they would normally be doing this time of year. Well, two weeks ago, but this time of year, basically out of the vineyard. So watch this. Matt Compton with uh, Compton Family Wines, uh, Philomath, Oregon. We're at our state vineyard. Uh, right now we're working on the Pinot Blanc. Uh, right now we're in, uh, what is this, July 9th, 20th yeah. of uh, 2022. So 
we're in the middle of summer pruning right now. So the grapevines are growing. Uh, we had a, the spring was very wet, a lot of moisture in the ground. So the vines are gonna be very vegetative this year. So we're conquering all that vegetation, vegetative growth that they wanna have this year to focus on the fruit, which is down here. So we had fruit, uh, we had bloom uh, in early July, and which is rather late for us. So that's about two weeks later than normal. And then, but right now you can see we have good fruit set, uh, nice clusters. So we had a good bloom. Uh, we had a spring frost, which set us back, uh, made us late this year and also lowered our crop. Um, but we had a good bloom. So the good news there is that it's gonna help us have a good crop. But again, back to that late, uh, that wet spring, we're gonna have a lot of vigorous growth this year. So I just went through and did some hedging. Then the next thing we're gonna do is we're gonna do a little bit of leaf pulling too. But we'll pull leaves and open up the fruit zone. And it's not so much that we're trying to get sunlight on it, but we're trying to keep it the good airflow going. Uh, our one pest that we have to fight is powdery mildew. And so we need good airflow and to help prevent powdery mildew from growing. Uh, we're just coming off the July is the main time where we're really combating that. So we got to keep a nice tight canopy growth. Um, so yeah, all the fruit that for the most part that you see will be uh, ripening, probably will be harvesting in late October of this year as these berries will develop. They'll continue to grow and become more uh, fuller of a cluster. And once we achieve the sh proper sugar levels, then we will then uh, be harvesting. Uh, other things we're concerned about come close to harvest is birds. And then once, if we expose the fruit too much, then the birds will want to come eat them. They're a good, what I call ripeness indicator. That if the birds start eating, you know, it's a good time to harvest. So, and so, to tell you mentioned like the sugar level. Is there a, is that how you can determine the sugar level? Uh, there's kind of some different parameters for uh, ripeness. Uh, the seeds we start to look to brown. They're they're uh, maturing. Uh, we look for sugar levels. We don't want sugars too high because then you get high alcohol out of balanced wines. You don't want sugars too low. Um, so you're looking for a, a looking, we tend to pick around 23 bricks or so, um, get about 13 and a half percent alcohol. Um, and you're also looking at acid levels and other flavors as well components. So you're making a lot of decisions at the time of harvest, whether to what the weather's doing, um, if it's raining, wet, if you, so the other problem we'll have with, uh, that we want to keep an open canopy, open fruit zone is that. Uh, if it gets rain in the fall when the fruit's still on, then you can get botrytis. So if you ever pick a, if you grow strawberries or something like that, you see the little white mold when the strawberries are ripening, that's botrytis. Um, so powdery mildew, uh, fungus, and also botrytis are two main things that we're trying to prevent from getting on the grapes. That I mean, this is the COVID's never going anywhere, and so we, you know, it's funny how we got out of our mask mandate at actually a time that our COVID was really high. This last February, they mentioned that like they took away the mask. So I think it, would be, it was more political. But once Kate Brown's out of office, or you know, the legislation's out of office because they're, they're, you know she can't be the next governor, I think we're going to end up having a short stay of, of mask. It'll be surprise me if we won't, if we don't. I mean, you're starting to see that kind of happen around the country again. Um, so I just I worry I worry there's going to be some kind of restriction, and hopefully this fall the kids don't have to wear a mask again. But with the with the with the elections coming up, it probably won't happen until after the elections. 
And that's Dr. Michael Bratlin, who is never shy and never holds back what he is thinking. Um, <laughs> and I love that about him. So yeah. Matt did a great job. So that, I mean, and, and you guys have, you obviously have staff, people that help you, right? Workers. Well, we used to have our own vineyard management company. And then in 2020, we couldn't find, just like everybody else, we had a staff, we couldn't find crews. We actually, he had his contract labor license, which Oregon, you have to have a contract labor license. He was doing processing with his um, contract labor, hemp fields, peaches, apples, as well as vineyards to keep them all busy through the pandemic. And so that was difficult, but also we were able to adapt and then it just got too difficult. So we kind of had to let that piece of the business go away just because we had to adapt. So yeah, it's like yeah. all of us, we figure things yeah. out. Do, yeah. what, Angela wants to know, what do you do with the leaves from the grapes? She's using them for dullness. She's canning it. What do you do with it? What, what are some other ideas that people can do with the grape leaves? The leaves. Um, I stood there today. It was hot and used it as a fan. Um, but, you know, making, <laughs> wrapping up and doing meat. But we actually, that's where, so right as the, after we get off the fruit, our sheep and goats are out there right away. So that is actually how we're finishing our lambs is out in the vineyard eating those grape leaves before they drop. So that's how we're using them. But I've never really cooked with them. But I, I yeah, I've been thinking about it, but I haven't done it. So if people want to buy your wine, we have a page on your on your site, uh, ComptonFamilyWines.com slash Rick. And they can get $15 off the first two or more bottles, $15 off two or more bottles total. I get that right here. Um, and all I have to do is go in and sign that on and you can try the wine. Uh, in, in terms of, I know a lot of people want to taste wine before they buy it. When are you guys open and how do they find you? Yeah, we're open Thursdays through Sundays through the summer, noon to five. And then this weekend on Saturday, the in Philomath, we actually have a sip and stroll. So breweries, uh, liquor, um, and as as well as wineries are going to be in our town and people can walk around and taste wine and enjoy the festivities from three to seven in Philomath. So yeah, that would be a fun way to get to know kind of the different wineries in, in our area. And that is, you guys, it's on the top of the page. There's a link to the uh, Philomath Chamber of Commerce, philomathchamber.org. You can go there, find out more information on that. But don't, there's also, uh, Visit Corvallis is having something. What, what, tell me about the Harbor Willamette Wine Passport. Yeah, so our wineries in our area from Monroe, Junction City, um, I don't think we have any in Eugene, uh, from Corvallis, Philomath up to Salem, we have a whole wineries organization. So we have a passport that also includes I think there's breweries on there as well. You can buy a passport. It's good for the whole year. And so you can take your time and traveling around and doing little pieces of it. And so you have a little staycation in Oregon. So you you probably see a lot of people like from all over the country that just pop in and they're taking the wine tasting in Oregon is kind of a, a big deal. Oh yeah. I love it. It's so fun. We, I actually have a little um, poster board in our winery where people, do the push pins from where they're from. And I've had people from all over the world, especially with the eclipse. That was neat to have people from all over. So yeah. Well, I, I love connecting with the different people. That's the first thing I say is like, where are you from? What are you, what are you about? It's fun you to do? hear about. Yeah. So tell Matt, he did a great job. Okay. I will tell him he just walked by. So I'll okay. to him. Okay. Right? Well, he did a great job. <laughs> And thank you for helping us and being one of our sponsors. And you guys, again, Compton Family Wines in Philomath, Oregon. 
uh, go on their site, look it up. If you have questions, Tabitha is really good about getting back to you and answering your questions. Thanks for being here. Thank you. All right, have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. All right, so the other day I'm sitting back and I'm thinking to myself, I, this just doesn't make sense, and I wanted to ask your question. So instead of stating my opinion all the time, I put it, I posted it as a question. So here's my question. Friends of mine and I were having a discussion about what's coming up this November and how things work. And one of them said something to me that I wanted to present to you to get your opinion on this. They said, nothing's going to change in Oregon until they change the election system back from mail-in ballots to showing up at the ballot box and doing your voting. Um, they've said ever since that's happened, uh, you haven't seen much fairness in the system. I don't know, but I wonder what you think. Um, as someone in Oregon, I did see something today in Montana um, where uh, some lawmakers are pushing to make it so that everything has to be a ballot um, in hand um, because they don't trust the system. So I want to know what you think. Do you trust the election system? Do you think we need to go back to showing up at the polling places? Um, or are you fine with um, vote by mail? That's the question for the day. And for extra credit, um, do you think that we should have identification in order to vote? That you should have to have a legal piece of identification? Um, I personally do. And one of the, the reasons why when I ran for secretary of state, I was like, God, I had, back in the day, I had to have a driver's license to rent a movie at, at uh, the video store. I have to have a license to buy a bottle of wine or beer. Um, isn't, isn't voting in, in your state and making sure things are secure and safe, isn't that a higher priority than a rental of a movie? So anyway, I'd love to see your comments on here, what you think. And, uh, and then go. Um, okay, so now the last thing I wanna show you, this is a video we shot a long time ago. I found this the other day when I was perusing through my stuff. And, um, and yeah, Clack here's somebody from Clackamas County. I don't trust that after the primary, ID should be required. Was that a cluster screw or what? I mean, come on, just what happened in Clackamas County should, should be enough to convince anybody. Um, so this is McKinsey Pass, every year um, they, before they open it to traffic um, and they can get it cleared, they open it to cyclists. And my wife and I, when we were in Oregon, we did it every single year. It's one of the most beautiful rides. And this is many years ago, because you'll see me pre-bearded. Um, but I want you to enjoy this for the closure of our show here tonight.
was really fun. Alright, so we made it to the summit. We're at the top. And all these other people. And they're cruising by. Here they go. See? They're gone. And they'll be down back in town in three minutes. I just Whoops, besides you guys. Um, that. I don't miss a lot about Oregon. But I miss you. And I, I do miss that. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to show that to my wife. She misses riding her bike right now so much. But yeah. And for all you people who come on and say I bash Oregon... I don't bash Oregon. I love Oregon. I'm from Oregon. I'm a native Oregonian. What I hate is the politics, the bullshit, and the control that we've allowed our government to have over us in Oregon. And I'm here so that I can pick and knit and push and prod and get that to change so that everybody in Oregon has a voice, not just you and not just the people in power and not just the people who agree with the current narrative, because guess what? Everybody else doesn't agree with you and they're going to push back. And I had to come here to push, but that's how I do it. And if you don't agree with that, it's really none of your business, but I don't love Oregon. Screw you. You have no clue. That video makes me remember how much I do love Oregon. But guess what? I have a new love. Her name is Montana. Have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow. We're going to talk timber tomorrow. We're going to talk about fires. We're going to talk about how stupid it is the way Oregon will not actually manage climate change by using a natural process like growing trees and how when you allow trees to sit on the forest which is the current policy and they burn up in a fire that puts more carbon in the air which is exactly what you don't want in the air or at least you say you don't want it but i guess you want everything done your way not the way that really works so we're going to talk about it and we're going to show you some projects that this timber company in oregon has put together they're building the first 18 story wood structure skyrise because it's now legal because they can do it so well and guess what you want to talk about carbon you want to talk about climate change well when you use timber and wood products that's the most natural thing you can do because that timber is a carbon filter and it's a carbon sequesterer. It stores it. 
And if you were to make that same building out of concrete and steel, you'd be using so much of the carbon footprint that it's not even funny. So yeah, I'm in Montana to help educate you about how this stuff really works because it's time to change the narrative and start doing things the regenerative way, the way that God intended it to be done. <laughs> you manage it. God, I'm having fun. Yeah. Oregon, boy, you got me. I love you, but I just can't take you too long. Have a good night.